Oregon was the first state in the United States to decriminalize cannabis in 1973. Really? So it's been yeah, 50 I mean, years. Small amount, right? I think it was like small amount. an ounce, <laughs> right? But if you were carrying less than an ounce, it was like a $500 or $1,000 ticket, which is obscene. But it's way better than the alternative, right? Which is jail for right. less than an ounce. Right. And then it was in the late 90s uh, that Oregonians voted for medical marijuana. I don't think we were the first. I think we were the second. Like California, so. Arizona were there around the late yeah. 90s as yeah. well. In Col yeah, yeah, Colorado, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then after the medical, then um, adult use came online in 2015. So we've been around for a long time. Oregon voted through the initiative process in 2015 to legalize adult use, is that right? We actually voted for Measure 91, I believe, and it was in 2014. And then it took a while to get rules and then implement. And then it really wasn't until 2016 that we started to see actual recreational licenses. 2016. Yeah. BizCon 2023 with, I think it's episode number five, it's state number five, but we have more experts to present to you. And I'm excited because I hear all these rumors and stories and media reports and I have friends that tell me what's going on in Oregon, but I really don't know. So we brought you some Oregon experts, some people who are actually moving and shaking up there, very familiar with what's happening in Oregon, the history of, the process of, the state, what's the capital, what's the state flag, everything about Oregon <laughs> we're about to learn. But again, Dimitri Nani back with Meet Unshackled with my co-host, Stanislava. I'll let you say it. Stanislava. Stanislava. So back. Where's that name from? Russia. 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 <laughs> a co-host in training. So you, again, the goal is to get the audience out there familiar with Oregon, familiar with these ladies who are here helpful, at least today, making themselves available to share information. We'll find out if they're available in the future. I'm waiting for somebody to say, just don't call me. You know? <laughs> you know? I know, but, but Talk to the hand. Yeah, this is not a pay to play. We're just bringing knowledgeable individuals. We're sharing information. ABCs, one, two, threes, about the different jurisdictions, state by state, jurisdiction by jurisdiction. So let's get right into it. Tell us about yourself who you are and what you do in the cannabis industry, and then we'll start talking about Oregon. Okay, uh, my name is Marissa Rodriguez, and I am a co-founder of Nimble Distribution. Um, we have a wholesale license in Oregon, and we kind of exercise uh, every privilege that a wholesale license in Oregon can have. Um, we have a couple of house brands. Uh, we make a lot of pre-rolls. Uh, we're allowed to make pre-rolls. We make lots of them. Uh, kites, broomsticks are our house pre-roll brands. Um, we, uh, we also uh, have a 10-year licensing agreement on Orchid, so we fill a lot of cartridges, um, sell a lot of batteries. We do 3PL services. We represent other brands, um, sell a lot of flour, <laughs> uh, and we're all over the state. I we, love that. We deliver all over the state. I love meeting the craft individuals. Yes. I can tell you're a craft cannabis brand. Would you describe yourself as a... The... You know, we try and meet everybody where they are. Yeah. And there's something for everyone um, on our menu. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Are you operating in other states or just Oregon? We are not yet. We, um, we would love to bring some of our you know, most special and precious things to other states, and we're exploring that and have, uh, have yes. some opportunities. I can tell you about at. New York, Alabama, Colorado, Arizona. I, I, I'm, I'm building my knowledge <laughs> right yeah. here. Yeah, I, well, I will be watching the, all of no, these I, I, um, at is, the end of the show. This is the greatest thing. I know a lot about cannabis. I've been involved for 10 years, done a lot of stuff. I'm a pretty smart guy. But this is the best thing I could have done for my own personal development is host this show and interview individuals like yourselves. 
So before we get into Oregon, I learned about Oregon too. Let's talk about who you are and how long you've been involved in cannabis, a little bit, a little history. My name is Marianne Kersagi, and I've been in cannabis since 2016. Um, Marissa is great. Um, Nimble is awesome. I own a farm and a brand called Alibi and Astral Treats. So we have flour. We grow, we grow craft flour. We have pre-rolls and we have gummies and syrups and infused pre-rolls also coming out. So we cover that whole line. We're based in Oregon with our assets, but then we're also expanding. We have an agreement in Massachusetts. We're on shelves in Massachusetts and hopefully soon in Arizona. Right. The brand Expansions. Oh, Arizona. Wait, you say Arizona? I did say Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I know all about you. Me. <laughs> I've heard stories. <laughs> well, they're all true. I'm just no, actually, none of them are true. Okay. I barely know myself. How can other people know me? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, I barely understand what I say. How can they, you know? Back to you. Um, so when did you start uh, in 2016? We, let's go a little bit about Oregon, the history. When did Oregon go, me Oregon go medical? How the licensing structure works? And when did it get to adult use? Who wants to take that one? Well, Marissa and I both had to research this last night separately. <laughs> well, but we, made some, we were reminded of some, I think of some things that are really special about Oregon. Okay. Oregon was the first state in the United States to decriminalize cannabis in 1973. Really? really? So it's been yeah, 50 I mean, years. Small amount, right? I think it was like small amount. an ounce, right? But if you were carrying less than an ounce, it was like a $500 or $1,000 ticket, which is obscene. But it's way better than the alternative, right? Which is jail for right. less than an ounce. Right. And then it was in the late 90s uh, that Oregonians voted for medical marijuana. I don't think we were the first. I think we were the second. It's like California, so. Arizona were there around the late yeah. 90s as yeah. well. In Col yeah. Yeah. yeah, Colorado. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah, and then after the medical, then um, adult use came online in 2015. So we've been around for a long time. Oregon voted through the initiative process in 2015 to legalize adult use, is that right? We actually voted for Measure 91, I believe, and it was in 2014, and then it took a while to get rules and then implement. And then it really wasn't until 2016 that we started to see actual recreational licensees. 2016. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people want to know, how is the market structure in, in, in Oregon? Um, vertical, horizontal, what are the different licensing classes? Uh, you, what licenses do you guys operate under? Yeah, all of the above. Oregon, until recently, has been an unlimited license state, which yes. means Marianne mm -hmm. is amazing because she has been operating the same brand for a very long time, and if you can make it in Oregon, you can make it anywhere. That's because the right. competition the... is obscene That's okay. and amazing. Right. It makes you better. That's okay, though. Yes. Yeah. Which to me, and, and this is people, I, mean, I reflect a lot on this show, so I apologize. I love free markets. I love competition. I love innovation. Yes, the price of cannabis is going to come down, but that's a natural phenomenon, and you have to be prepared for that. You just have to keep doing what you do, doing what you love, producing a great product and service for whoever you're servicing in whatever industry, not just cannabis. That's America. That's the free market. That's open markets, and, and it creates a lot of opportunity for other people, too, if they want to get involved. That drives me nuts, the limited licensing. But Oregon has now gone in the other direction. Well, one of the things that Oregon did, you know, you could argue right or wrong, but I think it was right in that the barriers to entry were very low. For our license, right. we have the largest cultivation license that you can have in Oregon, and it cost me $6,000 a year. So, okay. you know, barriers to entry, that's, that's nothing when you're talking about the cost to build a farm and build out a facility. You know, other states have 
licenses are in the hundreds of thousands, in the millions. Millions, so, yeah. Yeah. So Oregon really set up their system because they wanted inclusivity. They wanted people to join the market, to join the industry, and to build a thriving industry. Now, there's arguments why that may not have succeeded the way that it was envisioned, but, but that's how it was created. Yeah, well, success, better or worse, these are very subjective concepts. True. Is the Oregon market a success? It depends on what you believe success is. It depends on how you interpret it. How do you guys think Oregon's experiment has worked out so far? By the way, I never liked ducks or beavers, but now, <laughs> now that I'm learning a little bit more about that free market approach, in or formerly free market approach in Oregon, I might just be a fan. But how would you guys say it's worked out? I think it's great because it's forced us to be better. Um, the the <laughs> cycles, we've been through a couple cycles of ups and downs and ups and downs, but it's through those struggles and through the times when you are losing money and the price compression is real and you can't make rent and you can't make payroll that you get better and you figure out how to actually build a business that's sustainable. Could you repeat really clearly, what are the names of the products that people need to buy in order to help you succeed? You need to buy some grit and some tenacity. Okay. And I would encourage everyone to remember that because there's a great competition and theme happening in the cannabis industry, state by state, jurisdiction by jurisdiction. And there are those who would rather not participate in a free market. But ultimately, a more competitive, a more free, better free market is better for the consumers and the patients. And your company, you and your principals support that. And I love that. So I want to make sure that people know that supporting you means that. One of the things we want to do with Media USA is give people these medallions that say we support Media USA. Media USA supports open markets, free markets, the ability to manufacture in Oregon and ship across the country. There are people in cannabis who are opposed to that, as you guys are very familiar with. Sorry, I don't mean to go on my rant. Yeah, no. back to you. So, so what do you think? Is the Oregon market a success? Yes, but we're not, I mean, we're not at the end. I mean, we're just barely at the beginning. Right. Right. And so, you know, to make a call now is, for me, is premature. I'm, I'm like, every day I get up, it's a new adventure, it's a new challenge, and it's really fun. Like, so, so how many retailers are there in Oregon? Total. There are nearly 900 uh, licensed retailers in Oregon, and there are several hundred more that are in the queue. So we did put a moratorium on new license applications. Right. Um, but anybody who was already in the queue is, gets to stay in the queue. So I think there's potential for maybe 1,200 something like retail that. licensees, 12, um, about which is too many. You know, Oregon regulates alcohol a little different than other states. Also, you know, I think we have like 270 or 80 liquor stores. We have, you know, nearly four times that amount of uh, of marijuana retailers, uh, cannabis retailers. So, you know, if if we're comparing comparing like similar, you know, like regulated um, consumables, you know, like we're, we're really overrepresented and, and it makes it hard to be a retailer. I mean, right. we're we're empathizing with our customer, our retailers are our, our customers. Right. We, we're empathizing with our customers on the daily. But aren't there, like, I mean, like for example, uh, aren't there retailers that they, they get into the market, they just don't know what they're doing, so they're just bound to fail and should the just... Market economics, I, yeah, like, I mean, let that happen? Loving weed is not a reason to get in the business. Yeah. Right. I, I love sandwiches. 
I, I don't. I love pizza. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't have a sandwich shop. Marianne doesn't have a yeah. pizza shop. Like loving something, appreciating something, being, you know, an, an aficionado or, you know, uh, you know, really loving it is, is not a reason to get in the business. You know, if you want to be, if you want to get into retail, be a professional retailer. Right. right. Retail is a business in, in, in whatever industry you're in. Definitely. Like, retail is its own specific, very difficult, challenging business. Um, the weed part's fun, right. and it, it adds a, like a, an element of like, you know, different kind of challenge. But retail is really hard. Cultivation. Marianne's a farmer. Like, farming is hard. You're a chicken finger deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, My grandmother was a farmer. She had finger deals. They were always dirty. Yeah. yeah. Cultivated well, onions and corn in deep in the mountains yeah. of Oaxaca. Till the day, day she died, 85, she was going to the cornfields. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But farming is farming, and then and then you're farming cannabis, right. you know. Yeah. So I think in a regulated market with yeah. so many rules and so many regulations, and the just the infrastructure, you can't you can't be your basement stoner who grew up liking weed yeah. and actually ex, you know expect to run a successful business like Marissa was saying. It's it's really hard. Yeah. So there's a 1,200 retail. So I imagine there isn't a premium being put on the retail licenses just because of the fact that it's licensed. It actually is some sort of uh, measure of uh, EBITDA or something that values those businesses, correct? For the retail, like yeah, buying I mean, and selling them? You know, you can buy and sell licenses now, and they have they have a little bit of value. I mean, they have more value than your, than your you know, annual licensing fee, um, but not much, okay. just because there's so many players in the marketplace and the competition is so crazy that, like, we actually probably need some people to go out of business, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. Because we know all of these people and we love yes. them, but there are too many of us. Right. I, I'm a big survival of the fittest guy myself. There's 9 billion people on earth. Do we need them all around? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, do you have a list? <laughs> you have a list to meet you? No, no, but it's a natural, you yeah. know, slippery slope. Like, yeah. where do you stop? Yeah. How much do you protect humans? How much do you protect businesses? How much do you... But, all I've discovered in my life is you don't want to restrict, you don't want to stop barriers. And, and you know why? I'll tell you why. Because I had to teach the UFCW and the Teamsters national leaders. I said this, look, you guys are running around supporting initiatives, referendums, legislation that includes licensing caps. I said, I know that work, worker safety and vacation and paid leave and all that stuff is very important. But if you support legislation that supports licensing caps, you're creating a barrier to entry for your employees, for your labor pool, who wants to go to your farm and learn how to farm, mm -hmm. and then one day become an owner just like you. And if you allow the government to create these barriers, you're creating artificial restrictions in the government and the system on the hopes and dreams of the individuals that are trying to rise up. So you guys should never support licensing caps, no matter what, and educate people as to why they're bad because that creates barriers for your employees and for your labor. And the purpose of going to work for you is that somebody can learn from you, yeah. help you, do what they need to be done, yeah. but then you want the best for them. I think what's challenging for us in Oregon with, with you know, the unlimited license is it's not that we're, then we have an unlimited market. We have to stay in Oregon. We don't, Marianne doesn't get to sell her flower across the country. She can only sell it in Oregon. Right. You know, and so I think that we have a lot of mixed feelings about that in Oregon because of that. You know, like, yes, unlimited license, low barrier to entry. Anybody who wants in should be able to get in. But we're, we also don't get to just sell anywhere. Right. right? We don't get to, to distribute anywhere. And so what's really important is 
is you know either a rescheduling. Um, Absolutely. You know that that will alleviate some of the you know financial crunch that everybody has. A, a path to distribution across the country. Oregon grows the best weed. Absolutely. Yes. You guys are going to yeah. kick ass. Yeah. We grow the best weed. Yeah. We, we have the, the legacy of talent and brilliance, and we grow the best weed. We need to be able to export it, right. and that will solve you know that that too many licenses. Part of the free market issue. approach is exactly that, yeah. and, and Oregon will benefit from that. Yeah. So and we'll, we're only partially free market, right? You know, we're, we're free market on the supply side, but we're not free market on the demand side. Okay, well that's something I don't reflect upon that too much. Could you expand a little bit on that? Well, we can we can grow as much weed as we can grow in Oregon, but we can't ship it across state lines. I can't. Okay, I see what you're saying. I, I thought you, I thought you meant sort of like yeah. a restriction on how much people can purchase. There's that too. Is that, that's so that's another <laughs> demand thing. Yeah. So you're talking about the, the there is thing. there are daily limits yeah. as to I'm, what so, people can so. can, can purchase come in, in with Oregon, like a mustache of yeah. one moment and in a way. So. Okay, so we got the retail stuff out of, out of thing. I know we don't have much time, but can you quickly tell us, like, processing? So somebody can come start a brand in Oregon if they want to pretty easily? Well, assuming you get the license. So are you asking about the different license types? Yeah, let's, we can go quickly into the different license types and how hard they're to get. Right, so we have, um, well, it's all, they're not issuing any new licenses, so everything is purchased on the uh, third-party market. Yeah, you, they're transferable, you don't have to qualify. For sure, and there's there's dozens of them available. If you want one, I can, I can hook you up this afternoon. <laughs> Not really. I, I, just assume, I just assume go to work for you and learn how to do things. You know? Yes. Uh, I, I'd be one of those people that failed and you'd be like heartbroken. It's, it's hard. Uh, I'll learn yeah. from you guys. So there's cultivation, which is the license that we have, and then there's processing, which allows you to do extractions. Wholesale, which is what Marissa has. Retail, um, laboratory. I think, and we got, I think we got them all. Is that it? Yeah, I think you did it. <laughs> no, so, go ahead, sorry. No, and so there's very strict rules about what you can and cannot transfer between licenses. So that's what makes the whole licensing thing very, very challenging. For example, if I have infused pre-rolls, I actually can't have those back at the farm. So I have to have a wholesaler Hold transfer them for, them for me. Yes. So there's... You have to be very careful about what products types you have at whatever license so that you don't get in trouble with the regulators. Yes. You know what? Something that I, I always ask people to reflect on. It's very important that government maintains its credibility and that people trust government, respect regulations, respect policies and stuff. We need good government. And this cannabis industry has been a disaster, a disaster in its development. Because anyone who looks closely looks at it like with an eyebrow and say, what the fuck is going on here? And if they messed it up and came up with so much arbitrary random stuff as they do in cannabis state by state, what else have we missed by not asking before about our banking industry and the regulations and policies, about real estate, about restaurants, about so-and-so, and eventually you're going to end up unraveling the whole thing. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So, I mean. Well, this is one of the challenges. This is one of the things I'm hoping your organization is able to help with, is to create some standardization, some harmonization, so that once legalization or interstate commerce or whatever form it takes, that then we can transfer products to other states and the, the infrastructure is already there and the regulations are already there ready for us. Peace. There will be no peace. <laughs> I remember that was some Independence Day. And the aliens like peace. <laughs> there will be no peace. There will be no harmony. I'm just kidding. That's how you said that. I, I, I will say so. We're regulated by the OLCC, the Oregon uh, Liquor and Cannabis uh, 
commission. And, um, you know, as an organ, you know, the commission, you know, the industry, you know, we've made mistakes. We haven't always gotten it right. We, we try and work together to solve problems and correct errors. I can say that um, I know a lot of folks at the OLCC and I really appreciate their commitment um, to figuring it out and, and to our success um, and, and their forward-looking uh, into the future and the changes of cannabis across the country. And, and most regulators, uh, different state regulators that I've met, they're doing their best. They're, do, they're trying yeah. to do what they're trying Nobody's to do. Nobody's ever done this before. Right. That's why I, I, but my whole thing is don't give them <laughs> the power in the first place. That's just my little thing. It's not a really <laughs> pragmatic thing. It's just a belief that one day people will wake up and want to live in a free world and freedom of substance. Fairy tale stuff. <laughs> That's a nice dream. <laughs> it is a dream. Well, I'm a dreamer. What can I say? Um, let me think again. Uh, sorry, I was thinking about some John Lennon song right there. Wasn't he a dreamer <laughs> I was too? too? Yeah. Yeah, like imagine all the people. But, imagine I'm, all like, the people. I'm like the John Lennon of free markets and cannabis, you know? <laughs> Something like that. But you guys are fantastic, and you guys are thinkers, you guys are business women, you guys are successful in Oregon. And as soon as if we can get interstate market, interstate commerce fast, you guys are going to rock it. Thank you. you. Know? And you guys are welcome in Arizona. I don't give a damn what my friends say in Arizona that would want to keep Oregon out. You know, I mean, they, look, you know, they need to learn. You cannot manipulate the market structure to keep out competition. It's not in the best interest of the patients and consumers of the United States of America. Oh, anyway, we can keep out Jamaican weed or Thailand weed or Colombia, you know, which, I mean, then what? You know, all these things. Complicated, huh? Yeah, really yes, complicated. I know, but uh, but you guys are fantastic. So let's talk a little bit more because we got to uh, close this out. How do people support you guys? I really want you guys to succeed. I want to see your businesses grow. And how do people get in, in touch with you guys and uh, at least reach out to you so that you can connect them with other people in Oregon? Right? Is that okay? Yeah, I'm happy to connect with anybody. We Both Marissa and I have a pretty big network, and we're happy to, to share because we ultimately want people to succeed, and that's what we're here for. So my brand is available on Instagram at Alibi Cannabis. Our website is alibicannabis.com. Pretty easy to find. Yeah, and we are Nimble Distribution, um, and through Nimble you can find kites, pre-rolls, broomsticks, orchid, all of our house brands also. Um, and visit Oregon. Like, that's how you support Oregon. Yeah. Come and visit Oregon. Come yeah. and smoke our Try weed. Try some of our weed. Yeah. yeah. We've got come, the best. Come I, smoke our weed. The first time I ever smoked any weed was actually in Oregon. So. <laughs> um, uh, good, Uncle good Mike, place. Uncle Mike, are you listening to this? These are like <laughs> Oregon people. These, uh, uh, he is 50 years, a cannabis consumer. He was a cha cha Chamber of Commerce president in Bend, Oregon. Very you nice. Know, now he hangs out with us, and it's, it's really, you guys got to chat afterwards. So I did just realized that. Sorry. And, and if anybody is also like interested in doing a deep dive in you know, the current economics policy, um, the Cannabis Industry Alliance of Oregon, Marianne and I are both members. Um, they do a lot of really important policy work and support us. Um, and they're a resource for anyone who's aspiring to do business in Oregon. This is fantastic. Any, any closing questions for them? Yeah, I mean, I would love to know what keeps you guys motivated with this. Like being in the cannabis industry, I look up to females in this industry in particular, and it's a tough, it's a tough industry to be in. So what motivates you to consistently stay in this industry? People. You know, I, we have so much care for, you know, our employees and our customers and the vendors that we represent. I mean, that's the number one thing for me is, like, I feel so much ownership of, 
uh, of all of our partners who who work with us, and I want to win for them. It's incredible. And I got into the cannabis industry because I had cancer, and so I started my farm when I was going through chemo and radiation, and I realized through that journey that people really need good quality medicine, whether it's for you know, cancer or whether it's for your mental health, for your you know, well-being, for sleep, all of those things go to help you be the best version of you. And I just want to be able to provide that for people. And I think people need access to have that choice, whether they choose to or not. But, but you need to know what you're consuming and have options so that you can get the best products for your body. Wow. Absolutely. That's, thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys are fantastic. You're invited anytime. We're going to watch out for you. Alibi and Nimble, those are really, really, really easy. Great words. <laughs> Great choices. Alibi and Nimble should be in New Jersey, and Lou is going to help you get to New Jersey, and he's going to be on our next podcast. But here's two brands that need to migrate in New Jersey. I'm sure there's plenty of other brands here, but he's got to know New Jersey. So one day, Oregon cannabis will be all over New Absolutely. Jersey. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thank yeah. you very much. And, and it's they're, a they're going to be wondering, like, what happened to our New Jersey girls? <laughs> we'll see. what The, the story is not be told. That's right. Yes. That story has not been told yet. Sorry. Yeah. It's a never-ending story. So it's like, <laughs> we'll be back with another episode of Meet on Shackle. Thank you. Thank you.